0: Hello, I'm Kenza, and this is the Finding Space podcast. Welcome back to the Finding Space podcast. This week, I interview adventure and ultra endurance rider, Liam Yates. I recorded this interview back in October. However, with the pandemic causing lockdown across most of the globe, I thought it would be best to split this episode into two parts. The first part of the interview is from the recording made back in October, and the second part is from a phone call made today to see how he's coping as an athlete during this lockdown. Enjoy. I know you've spoken to you before about it, but I think wasn't BMX quite a big part of your childhood? Yeah,
1: there were some some other kids from around the way here who I'm now friends with, but they built some jumps in the woods up the road. Okay. So, yeah, go up there and, um, yeah, try and do them all. And then one day, um, bumped into the, the other guys and headed down the skate park and became friends with them. And, yeah, that's when I started BMXing. And, yeah, I was obsessed with BMX for, since from the age of 13 to, yeah, 18, down the skate park every day. Oh yeah, traveling around other skate parks, looking on the websites, and yeah, getting to know the riders, and yeah, that was a, a big part of my cycling. Were you competing?
0: Was it something? Um, it that... wasn't.
1: It was like not BMX racing, but um, I mean there are like local local um, skate jams at different parks. Yeah. they have one here in the village, um, in Forest Row. They had a skate, a skate, um, BMX competition, and yeah, all the riders from. East up the road, and around the way, all the all the close towns, people came down. It was good, like um, yeah, for charity, on the same weekend as the festival here. So that was quite good. Yeah, that was a little skate jams like that happened quite a lot
0: around the local parks. Because <laughs> in, in terms of cycling, BMX is probably the most expressive. Yeah, it's that. just
1: quite free. I mean, you can do whatever you want, like. There's different types of BMX. You can ride, like, the street, um, dirt jumps, skate parks, different types of... I mean, some people use, like, pegs. Some people, you'll never see them with pegs on their bike. They're, like, they only ride, um, yeah, dirt jumps. Or, yeah, there's different types of... A lot of sub-categories under the BMX sort of thing. So, yeah, my first bike had no brakes. And that's a certain way of riding. A lot of people will never have no brakes on their BMX or so you can sort of have your own sort of um yeah, you can express yourself through your bike a lot
0: in BMX. Was it sort of the if you turned up with pegs, four pegs, was it sort of this guy's not cool or was not it Not so much they're not cool, but you know what kind of
1: um it just says a, it says certain things about your bikes say things about you, sort of thing. Um so you know what they're going to do, or certain kids from, say, a few from Crawley, then a lot of people around there ride street, so they're all the same sort of thing in that respect. Not everyone, obviously, is all the same, but your different groups of people from different villages or towns have, um, yeah, a certain way of riding, or just so quite cool to see, like, also a different park. The, the park here in the village... Is um has been in quite a few like skate films or um BMX movies um on the like um DVDs and stuff. And that's quite cool because it's quite a weird place. It uh, apparently the rumour is it wasn't wasn't built by skate park builders, it was just some local builders who had loads of concrete left over and the um council got them to build the skate park. So it's quite like a funky um design to it. So it's quite hard to ride. So the local riders here might be better at riding it than like like professionals, for example, because of the way you have to get used to riding it. It's not your traditional skate park. So that's quite cool as well.
0: Because you're quite young. I guess you're confined to local areas. Yeah, it's just
1: just through my friend. Once your friends start driving after a few years, then yeah, we could go around a lot easier. Or we'd just cycle up to Skrinstead and get the train to local parks. But, um, yeah, it didn't, we didn't
0: travel overseas or anything, but, yeah, just locally mainly. And were there any pressures with cycling at that point for you? Or was it very much something that was... Did, I mean, did you put pressure on yourself to improve and did it frustrate you? Or was this, was this a space which was just free for you? Um, it was pretty free. I mean, you do put pressure on yourself if
1: you really want to learn something or especially if you're street riding you can come to um if you go to a new town or something that's the good thing about it. you don't have to necessarily travel to a skate park you can just travel to if there's a town somewhere you can go there and yeah find a big set of stairs next to the shopping mall or I don't know you can find something and think okay I want three 360 down that set of stairs you know and you think you might be able to do it or you you might try and crash or you might never do it, or you might do it first go, and yeah, you
0: always want to like push yourself to get better. Once you've done the trick, would you just want to do it again, or would you want to move on to something else? How you know is that um, a lot of things
1: like depends if like your friends film it or something, then you can if you do it once, then you've sort of got it forever, I guess. But if some things they're like you do it once, you're not going to do it again because you've done it and it was pretty scary. You don't want to
0: yeah hurt yourself. But um I found it quite interesting as a photographer. The probably one of the most sort of engaging moments I've had working with athletes, and I think we mentioned this before when we were on a shoot was um, when I was working at a skate event. Yeah, so it was BMX skate, and I've done quite a lot of track cycling athletics things like that and Mm. the athletes like a good photo and oh cool i'll put that on instagram everyone likes a photo these days but when i was working there i didn't know anyone and i was just there shooting for a few clients but half of the skaters and BMXers would come up to me and want to look at the shots yeah yeah and it's such a big part i mean i i wasn't aware but it seems to be such a big part of their um culture and sort of growing up they want that moment obviously film or photo but... yeah
1: yeah for sure in i think in BMX and skate skateboarding the, the artistic side of it like creating a good photo or um yeah a good piece of film is a lot higher up on the list of priorities or not priorities of enjoyment level than something like maybe road cycling um or, yeah, cyclocross or whatever. I'm really into, like, photography, and not so much taking photos myself professionally, but just on my phone or with my camera. But, like, appreciating a good photo. I think that comes from BMXing, yeah. Well, I'd always try, want to, it'd always be a cool day if someone, uh, my friend used to do photography, if they came down the skate park, you think, okay, cool, let's all get a sick photo kind of thing.
0: That sort of, Appreciation of creativity, I guess. Which, mm. I, I guess also those sort of BMX riders, skiers, surfers—they're all naturally quite. Even if they're not creative, they're intuitive to that world because they're creating through their yeah. sport. Yeah, Whereas like in yeah, a lot of track, road, whatever—they're there to perform. Yeah, you a routine.
1: Yeah, exactly. You're doing a a race for a result. Whereas BMXing, unless you're in a competition, it's just, yeah, just for enjoyment and you want to, instead of creating a, a first place or a podium spot, you're creating a, yeah, you want to create something cool, like a photo or if you want to do a cool trick that's hard for you or, yeah, then you want to be able to capture it, basically. I've got loads of, I've got a whole lot of DVDs in the drawer down there of like um all the movies like um, BMX films that I got over the years. And there's some really... I mean, people film for a video part. I mean, people will film for a whole year. And yeah, you know, go to a certain spot and try up to 100 times maybe to get the certain clip they want
0: on a a rail or, I don't know, some street spot. What made you want to sort of transition to other forms of cycling?
1: So I always... Obviously, my f-
0: dad was always um, away travelling
1: with pro teams. or and I, I knew a little bit about road cycling, but it started when I um, yeah left school at 17 and I got an apprenticeship in a local bike shop, which is road racing, road cycling only, like quite high end. So after a, a year or so there, it's pretty impossible to uh, not get into road cycling. So I I got into it mainly just like sort of commuting and um into work. And I I went riding with my dad a little bit and slowly got into road cycling from there and then yeah, got he, as soon as he saw I was in in into it a little bit, then he um helped get me into racing and I started racing basically as soon as I started cycling. So that was a bit of a into the defence a bit because obviously I wasn't fit at all.
0: <laughs> it must have been quite a different quite a transition from the a sort of more artistic creative BMXing to racing and, yeah. or did you think, did you bring some of that, you know, whether it's handling or looking at a track or a little bit? Yeah. I, I, um, the one thing that
1: I did have was when I did some tests, obviously I wasn't fit, but we did some like a ramp test or to find your training zones or your, heart rate. So I did, I, I did some tests, um, with my, um, with some friends who have, who run like a coaching company. And then the one thing I did have was like a quite a good sprint, like um, fast twitch muscles or whatever, because obviously in BMX, you only have one gear and it's quite a small gear. So you, when you're riding around, all you do is you pedal up to speed quickly and then you can just freewheel cause you can't change gear to go any faster or so I was used to those little accelerations constantly so I had a quite good sprint so that's really the only thing that I had over from um that I took over from BMXing to road cycling
0: did you then transition through to a higher level were you um you you've ridden for quite a few different teams yeah over the years what what was your next step so what
1: after that I um yeah a few years of that team and then they turned into an elite registered UK teams so we did all the premier calendars I did a few of those but still it was I was it was always one step ahead sort of for me because obviously I wasn't I started racing before I was even call myself a cyclist so to say so it's always one step too hard for me I think but yeah then I got the next few years after I joined another um, UK elite team and did some of the big races and I got to what I like to think was a pretty good level but unless once you once the progression starts to slow down, it's quite hard to stay motivated. Maybe or yeah, I don't know. Also, if you get if you start late, sort of age. I mean, if you start in if you start racing at eighteen like I did, then there's already some kids who are in the Olympics at eighteen. So it's quite um, from that point of view, it's quite like a you feel pressure or it's hard to. Everyone everyone, a lot of people think, say they want to be a pro when they're older. But I mean, not everyone can be a pro. So it's hard to sort of find just enjoyment in doing it and not put too much pressure on yourself or be happy with a yeah top fifteen when some people only want to get a top three. It's quite hard to find your sort of way in racing, and if, if you're not improving dramatically year on year. You definitely can get down quite easily. I mean, a lot of people you hear, they, they quit cycling or... But it seems a shame that if you... Just because you're not going to be racing anymore, it seems a shame that a lot of people who I know, they quit cycling just because they don't want to race anymore. Sort of thing. Instead, quite- instead of just quitting racing, they just quit cycling altogether. That's what happens a lot, I think. Because obviously the pressure builds up and then yeah it's just too much so they decide to pack it in but instead of just packing in the
0: racing and still try and enjoy cycling they just stop altogether. as you were saying earlier so you got into racing and then some of the things that not turned you away from it but you didn't enjoy as much were the pressures of a result have you found that doing you've obviously just embarked on the silk road which is a race but it's kind of just a I mean, how would you describe it? A stage race or a, a, a... And talk us through that a bit. How So what drew you to that in the first place? So I think
1: th- this year was the second edition and last year I saw it, it was happening and there was a lot of photos and they made a um, short documentary um, which is pretty epic. I mean, the the country itself is incredible. I think there was some statistic about something a very high percentage of it being all mountain ranges um, I think the race itself is all over 2000 metres ish so it's pretty high seriously remote the weather changes very quickly and it's just like a pretty epic adventure really it's not for the faint hearted and it was my first attempt at a race a bikepacking race it is it is a race more so than a casual sort of event. And I think there's been articles saying it's the hardest fight race in the world and all these um, kind of remarks about it. I didn't finish. I just, I scratched after six days. But that was just, it wasn't so much the physical aspect, more just mentally, very hard to. I just found it very hard to stay focused
0: and, yeah, keep my like keep eyes on the prize sort of thing. You say mentally focused is that literally just the focusing on churning out the miles? I just stop. I just stopped enjoying it so
1: as much as I was. The first two days I was really enjoying it, but I mean you sort of get s- when you obviously I did have a local SIM card, but I mean there's still next to no signal for maybe. A day or two days, so it can be a bit lonely. I know most of the trips I'm used to doing are yeah more super relaxed. I mean, it's still hard. You still do you know ten hour ride back to back days, and it can rain, or you have to camp out in a ditch somewhere. But you you always have like you know a shop round the corner, or you can call someone on your phone, or you might have a friend with you doing it. Whereas this was a lot more sort of in the deep end and yeah after I I think it was just around halfway mark I just got a bit psyched out partly from looking at the profile what was to come and yeah this just sort of didn't want to suffer looking back now I wish I hadn't have scratched but obviously now I only know that because because I did so being my first ever bikepacking race I'm happy with what I learned and Looking forward to doing more of them.
0: And that was part one of the interview. Now here, part two, the phone call from earlier today with Liam Yates during the COVID-19 lockdown. You're obviously uh, down in East Sussex. How How's the um, atmosphere down there in, uh, I guess, a more rural location? But how, how are people reacting? Um, yeah, it's not too bad.
1: The people here sort of were... of one end or the the two extremes sort of thing to begin with like a lot of people just didn't um take any notice sort of going about their daily lives and then there's other people who are um yeah set up for the for the zombie apocalypse kind of thing so yeah it was a bit surreal to sort of see And, and also i mean a lot of people around here they're all sort of um anti costa coffee anti 5g all this sort of thing so a lot of them i mean don't even sort of necessarily watch the news so if you hadn't have watched the sort of announcement announcement of the lockdown, I mean, you wouldn't know. So, yeah, for to to begin with, definitely there a lot of people were just going about their normal lives. Um, and it's sort of yeah, it's it's taking a while
0: a while for it to sort of to kick in here. How have you been on on the scale of sort of, you know, paranoia, hysteria to not caring? Are, are you? pretty much i mean you're not gonna admit live on a, a podcast that you're doing anything wrong but are you sort of has it changed your daily routine um
1: yeah for sure i've taken sort of notice of everything and yeah, abiding by the rules that they've put in place i mean where the cycling concerned you're allowed to go out um as long as it's with people you live with or on your own so I've been on the one ride with Annabelle and then just been on my own mostly. Yeah, sort of avoiding stopping anywhere. It's not a massive change for me because I'm still just sort of going out riding my bike. But yeah, i cut not making sure I don't stop anywhere. And for my family, it's more of a, a change because obviously apart from my brother, everyone's used to sort of doing their daily routines, which aren't no longer happening.
0: So definitely a change. Do you think over time that's going to be a impact on your riding though because I know you're very social with your riding. You know, you do trips and riding with friends is quite a big part of things for you. Do you think you'll start to notice it more even sort of mentally over the next few weeks or do you think you'll be fine being secluded on the rides? Um I think for now it's okay. I mean, it might Depends how long we're in
1: this state for, I guess. I mean no one really knows. I mean if it turns out to be another six weeks, then maybe that then some yeah, that will start to affect me not being able to see the friends as long as as well as a lot of it'll affect a lot of other people I'd imagine. So I have to wait and see really. But I mean at the minute it's not too bad. I mean, I, I did have yeah, like you said, a few trips I, I had to um have been cancelled. And yeah, just sort of replanning, I guess, which is the same for a lot of people, but um I mean the good thing is that everyone's sort of in the same boat, so you don't f- you don't feel like you're miss- you don't feel like you're missing out i mean you're not
0: seeing um other people doing something you can't do, so I mean everyone's in the same boat how How are you approaching these um sort of next few weeks with training?
1: Well, I'm not the most. I'm not exactly a serious rider in terms of like the training. So I've definitely, with without the the motivation for the tri- um for the upcoming trips, I've definitely slackened off. And I'm nowhere near as fit as I was sort of in February when I was in Mallorca and that. But yeah, I'm still just just enjoying. I've I've only got my mountain bike at the moment, so just taking the time to sort of discover a lot of new local routes and tracks and um yeah let's try and learn more about the local area i guess that's that that, that's what
0: i'm focusing on at the moment you seem to um you've always been a, a fan of the sort of creative side of of the sport and we spoke about that a bit with sort of the bmx past and um your sort of passion for content and photography and things like that you seem to have done quite a lot being on these isolated routes just posting different um, images and things Do you think that's something you'll try and do more of as long as we can still go out riding
1: yeah definitely yeah yeah I mean I'm definitely not going to take for granted that I can still basically live my normal routine when
0: other people can't so I'm definitely going to keep doing that yeah and does that keep even though you say you haven't had the the biggest impact on your sort of day-to-day as others but does that creative side help your sort of mental well-being through even just through riding in general
1: yeah definitely yeah I, I mean if I wake up I've got nothing to sort of get up for I mean as yeah like I say as I keep saying most people haven't at the moment but um yeah it's if I sort of get up late and I'm not too late I mean 10 o'clock even and then sort of don't really have any objectives for the day by the end of the day I definitely am feeling a bit um you know like it's wasted time and it does get me down so I try and um going on a ride yesterday I went out um eight hours on the mountain bike and yeah it just keeps your mind active basically that's what I really enjoy yeah making sure like I'm achieving something like just j- j- just my mind basically yeah just to keep sort of active in my brain
0: yeah and having those creative um sort of tasks I guess can give you motivation while you're not having the sort of trips as a golden carrot to keep you going um it gives gives another side to it yeah definitely
1: yeah because normally I only, I'm always just yeah going out riding with the with the thought of i'm doing okay next week i'm going here so better get a few rides in whereas now it's obviously everything's put on pause so it's still it's still the same act but it's for a different sort of reason
0: and i i guess finding purpose in training or if if you race or or anything in in day-to-day life is important and finding purpose and identity but when we're all sort of in this limbo i guess it kind of becomes more important we got to redefine it or refocus
1: yeah for me yeah it's just about enjoying it enjoying it in a slightly different way i mean if we if we can't go outside anymore then that would be a bit a bit more of a change um i haven't got sort of a home trainer set up at the moment or anything like that so the only way for me to ride is to go outside so um yeah if it does Go to sort of full. You're not allowed outside for activities or whatever. Then that would have that would have to be a bit more of a change. But at the minute, it's it's just about finding a different way to sort of different goals, basically different targets.
0: Is that home trainer sort of lifestyle something you you would take on if it did get more strict with the lockdown, or will you try and? To get through it another way a
1: bit of both maybe i mean I've, I've never actually obviously i have used a turbo back when i was sort of training racing a bit more seriously but i've not used the modern generation of yeah, the smart trainers and the zwift and all this so on the internet sort of community side of it which i guess does bring a lot more um it adds, adds a few reasons to do it i guess if you ha- if you're not 100% motivated i'll have to wait and see but yeah i mean that it also could be another a good opportunity to maybe instead of forcing it to sort of i have to ride i have to ride maybe i'll be able to find a different hobby in the meantime which then then, yeah i'm not sure really i'll have to wait and see if it happens
0: when we met first time we were talking about you went through the silk road ride you'd got back from that and you were sort of dealing with the the repercussions of not finishing and um you were sort of a bit frustrated, but you were looking forward to future trips. You went to Morocco at the beginning of the year how How did that go like maybe just tell the audience a bit about that whole experience
1: um yeah it, overall it was it was still a good experience it had its highs and lows i unfortunately, I didn't finish due to sort of a, it was a completely different set of circumstances, which wasn't last year. I sort of just gave up because I didn't want to. I just sort of had enough, really, in the Silk Road. This time around, I was a um, yeah, quite a bit more prepared. I had a change of equipment and bikes and whatnot, and um, yeah, it was going well the first day. I did, I, I was feeling well. I was feeling pretty good the whole time, but on the um, I mean, Rocco also. It's quite a different type of place to Kyrgyzstan. I mean, first of all, the temperature was. I mean, even riding at one o'clock in the morning, you don't I mean, I was just in a long sleeve jersey and long sleeve base layer, so it, the temperature was a big difference. Um so that also means you didn't need to take as much stuff. But it had a different challenges, like the reason I didn't finish, unfortunately, is because of just punches, a nightmare. Um I guess the desert sort of landscape I mean every plant there that's growing is some sort of thorn or yeah, you know, some some, some sort of spiky object. How many punches did you get? I got nine on the second day and that used up all my patches. Uh, and all my I had took five spare uh no four spare tubes. Yeah, used up everything and it was a bit of a nightmare basically, yeah. Almost. And a lot of other people did suffer with the same um I think one guy had over thirty punches. So Yeah, it's just all another learning curve
0: so obviously this time you you weren't suffering as much mentally compared to silk road where you just sort of mentally were ground down to a halt almost um what do you think the difference was i think it was just ex- experience sort of you've been there
1: so you know what it's like sort of thing so it, i mean things become less less of a big deal i mean for some people i mean some guys there they just don't stop whatever i mean for some people, having um, two flat tyres and with no spares or nothing to repair, it wouldn't stop them. They'd just carry on walking. And there was, in fact, one guy who walked for over 100 kilometres just until he could find somewhere to... Um, I think he broke his rear mech. So he could only free on downhills. And, he yeah, he walked for two days, basically, until he found somewhere he could... Um, yeah get a get a sort of bodge done to his bike so i guess he's obviously at a different level of for me though i just didn't if i couldn't sort of perform to my best or near to my best then i just yeah it it's just it just puts a bit of a down on the thing when it's outside your sort of control to some extent
0: yeah it's interesting to see sort of and i was going to go on to ask you about this but that highlights it quite nicely in terms of going into these events that I, I mean, there might be a winner, but it is really a sort of personal race. So how, how are you defining sort of success and failure going into these? Everyone has different sort of obje- goals and
1: yeah, it just, it just varies so much. All the experiences vary so much, even though you're doing the same thing, I feel. Um, so see yeah, if some people... They go there with just a mindset just to finish. Some people go there the mindset they, yeah, they've yeah, they got targets every day. Personally, I don't have any sort of targets per day. I just sort of, yeah, kept riding. I think the first night I stopped at uh, half two, I think, in the morning. And then
0: got up at about six. And how did you deal with the uh, the sort of loneliness of it? You know, talking about... The isolation that we're going through at the moment when you're in those trips I guess most of the time you're riding alone you're not communicating with people how how do you mentally go about that during the race I mean, I
1: take a lot of photos sort of so I could sort of capture anything I, I see that I sort of can appreciate it like in order to share it with yeah my friends or family basically so it feels like you're sort of still doing something with the intent to sort of show others so you're not so that sort of keeps me from feeling too alone I guess but in the rest of the time you are just sort of focused on yeah riding following the route making sure you don't take a wrong turn not making sure you don't miss a shop okay because obviously you're pretty hungry and thirsty the whole time and just sort of yeah that, that, that sort of keeps you mostly switched on and also just the fact that you're riding somewhere where you've never been before so every meter is like new so that makes it go a lot quicker as opposed to if you were doing the 10,000th loop of your local
0: hill you know that was I mean it, it seemed to drag quite a bit sort of you've touched on it a bit there but how the more experienced ultra racers what their main benefit is is just simply they've experienced it once or they've done it or they've been there and going on a day where you're caked in mud or sleeping on the side of the road in a storm or you know just simply doing it once so you've gone from silk road to even though it's completely different terrain to um marrakesh is just having done it once do you think that was the biggest thing that mentally made it much much easier
1: yeah yeah definitely yeah i mean yeah that, that's a really good point i think just the fact that you've done something similar or yeah say you sleep out in a thunderstorm and you don't sleep all night, and it's pouring a rain, you get drenched. The next time it comes to it, you have to sleep in the rain. You just can think, oh, it's not going to be as necessarily as bad as then. I got through that, so I can get through this. And that's a similar... I mean, if I was in another race now in the future, and I say I completely run out of um, my new, whatever, tubeless fails or whatever, and I've got no spares are that like available, maybe I will just try and, yeah, not pull the pin so early and I will maybe walk for however far until I can possibly find a solution because yeah because I've been there before it's not such of a sort of a big sort of task it doesn't seem like a big task or sort of things so I've been there before so it's just another level
0: thank you for listening If you would like to see the portraits from this week's episode, please go to findingspace.cc. For more interviews like this, please subscribe to the Finding Space podcast. But more importantly, if this story resonated with you, please share. The more we engage with the topic of mental health, the further we can go to break down the stigma.